Welcome to Common Thread. We hope you find these lessons helpful, but also we'd like to get to know you. If you go to our website slash newcomer, we'll send you an email, some things to read about the community, and an invitation to a personal chat. If you're here in Raleigh, maybe face-to-face. If not, on Zoom. We hope you will. CommonThreadChurch.org slash newcomer. Okay, here's the lesson. Think that, and it always goes twice as long because you ask questions. It's not my fault. Really, I would finish on time. You all intrude ideas. The lesson is creating space for the other, and as I said earlier, it's either a great week to start that or a terrible week to start that. If you are following the discussion that's going on on the app, you saw the title of one thread, Abject Terror. And yeah, a lot of people are feeling exactly that way. Well, in that thread, you will have seen a spectrum of emotion. You will have seen fear and worry. You will have seen fatigue and anger. A spectrum of how shall we be? How shall we live? How shall we support one another in times that are difficult? But if you stand back a little from the content that's going on on that thread, you will also notice that there is something that is not there. You will notice that there is perspective from one side of the great divide, and you will notice that there is not perspective from the other side of the great divide, which is very easy to understand because our community, Common Thread, has not been immune to what's kind of being talked about as the great sort. Uh, Across the nation, our institutions, and the spaces that we collectively share together are increasingly sorted from one another. We are sorted from the other team, the other side, sorted from the other. We increasingly don't date or marry or even befriend across the divide. We increasingly go to school with less, shop with less, do business with less, the other side. And we don't go to church with each other anymore. It's a good thread. If you haven't read it, you should. Folks talking about deep, authentic experience, searching for the thing under the thing, uh, seeking self-awareness in times of afflictive emotion. It's very, very good helping one another, being community together. But again, glaringly absence is perspective from the other side because, again, we're just not with the other side, so how would we even know? That's become the new normal in our society, not knowing what's going on on the other side except what's presented to us in the media. And that is a problem because there is another side, And there is another perspective, and the other side is not going away anytime soon. And there will be no meaningful solutions to any of our troubles until our solutions factor in the perspective of both sides of the divide. Nobody's ever going to fully defeat the other side. At best, what we will do is win some short-term victories, But those short-term victories themselves will just energize the other side until the other side wins a short-term victory of their own. And that cycle could go on and on and on. And it could go another 20 years. It could go another 50 years. But here's the thing. If we strip away the meanness and we strip away the political maneuvering 
and we strip away the team loyalty, and we strip away the shameful behavior. And by the way, there's been a whole bunch of all of those things on all sides. Under all the ugly, there's always a thing under the thing. There's always a thing under the thing for our side, but here's the thing. There's also a thing under the thing for the other side. And both sides, if we dig deeply enough, have a rootedness in some sound human moral foundation. Some foundation that if, if it could be seen through all the fog and through all the ugliness, we could actually agree about. In this instance, the other side, the other perspective from what we saw in that thread would be that life is important. We could agree with that that human life is important, and human life should be supported, should be honored, should be protected, even revered. Now, I am not unaware that on top of that deep thing, there's a whole bunch of bullshit. I know that happens too. There's a whole bunch of not caring two wits about poor women who are in a pickle. There's a whole lot of mental gymnastics required, and I'm not unaware to smooth over the hypocrisy of approaching assault rifles one way and women in trouble a different way. I'm fully aware of all that stuff, but here's the thing, so are you. And the reason that you and I are so keenly aware of that is because those arguments have been going on for a long, long time. And we've been making them and remaking them and remaking them, trying to be more clever, a little bit pithier each time, but it's the same damn arguments again and again and again. I've been around long enough to remember when those arguments were fresh and new. And we held out a little bit of hope that they might change minds, but they didn't. And they're not going to. If they were going to affect change, they would have by now. And now we're here, and now a partisan Supreme Court has handed down a decision giving one team a short-term victory and giving the other team a loss. A decision that a majority of Americans do not agree with, which is a very old trap to fall into. A minority trying to rule over a majority never ends well. A minority imposing one moral view on others who don't share that moral view, again, it's not going to end well, and yet here we are. And so, that we are here, what shall we do? How shall we live? Shall we join the chorus? Because here's what the chorus is going to do. They're going to keep ginning up their own outrage and keep ginning up the outrage of their team. They're going to fall prey to their own fear and feed their own resentment and keep recycling the same old arguments, sounding very clever to our team and changing no minds on the other side of the divide. Shall we do that? Or, because we are a spiritual community, could we try something maybe different, something better, something deeper, perhaps something truer? Because this is a moment that is ripe with invitation to try something different. I put this graphic up a few weeks ago. It tracks abortion opinion from Roe until 2021. Look at how depressingly flat those lines are. That's how well the same old, same old has gone. That's how well demonizing the other side has gone. 
That's how well shouting the other down has gone. That's how well all the political chess maneuvering has gone. That's how well all that energy, all those dollars, all that mind space, that's how well it's gone. And it's gotten us a great big fat 0% change in opinion. That's what the same old, same old will get us. And now we've got a new law, and now we get to play prohibition all over again, imposing moral law on people who don't consider the law moral. Doesn't take a lot of imagination to imagine how this is going to go, and it's not good. But here's the thing about our human brains. Our human brains default to the same old, same old when we can't imagine something different. But here's the thing. Human beings have seen impassable impasses before. And it turns out there are things that we can do. It turns out they've been done before. And in fact, there is a groundswell of people who are doing those things right now. Things that can actually change things. And it's my hope for our spiritual community that we don't side with rehashing the same old tiredness and that we do side with making a difference, making change. I especially hope that because there is stuff that we can do and the stuff is not that hard. It's very, very different. It's kind of counterintuitive, but it's just not that hard. Here's a well-known quote from Jesus, blessed are the peacemakers, we call them children of God. It's kind of a cornerstone in our tradition, to be Christian is to be a peacemaker. We said last week, if there's a point to religion, if there's a point to spiritual practice, the point is to change us so that we can participate in changing our corner of the world. And, that the, cha and the change that the world needs desperately right now someone to step into the void and become peacemaker. Peacemaking, however, seems hopeless because we don't know how and we can't imagine what it would look like. This week, small dinner, you heard it in the announcements, a handful of folks in our community laughed together about how bad they are asking questions from a place of curiosity which, it turns out, is an essential skill if you want to be about the work of peacemaking. You've got to be curious. We've been pretty socially conditioned, we Americans, to know that the truth is questions are not about curiosity. No, 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 no. Whoever told you that? Questions are about accusation. Questions are about attack. Everybody knows that. If you're on the blue team, you know the kind of questions. Well, if banning guns won't work, why are you so fixated on banning abortions? Ha! <laughs> See? See what we did there? We took your reasoning. We showed you how inconsistent it is. We showed how dumb you are. You are effing rednecks. If you're on the red team, you know the kind of questions to ask. Why do you kill innocent babies but let convicted murderers go for free? <laughs> Call us inconsistent. See how stupid you are? You effing libtards. So questions are clearly not for curiosity. Questions are for attacking. And get socially conditioned that way long enough, and no wonder we really suck at being curious. 
So we sit down for a dinner. We've taken this 40-minute class. We've learned a few things. We're going to try and practice them together. But as we do, we walk into brand new neural territory, places our brains won't go. And we just have to laugh at how bad we are being curious. But it turns out curiosity is really not that hard. It's kind of built into human brains. Now, it's been suppressed for sure. We've got a whole bunch of patterns that keep us from accessing it, but it's in there, in the human brain. And blessed are the peacemakers because they find out how to be curios curious, and they find out how to develop their curiosity. It's an essential skill for peacemaking, along with several others, also essential skills. Well, the lesson we're starting today is about developing those skills. Creating space for the other is about getting beyond the tired old, same old, same old, and beginning to think differently about the skills required to be peacemakers. Now, here's a good place to start, even as we're starting the lesson. Pay your $12, make your $12 donation to Braver Angels, get access to the 40-minute class, watch the 40-minute class, go to the one, one of the dinners, and then laugh at yourself. And get better at curiosity. Actually, get better at making peace. Well, here are the questions that we're going to talk about afterwards. I'll give you some time to be thinking. Have you ever caricatured the other or been caricatured by the other? And what was that like? And have you ever gotten beyond the caricature? And what was that like? So you could be thinking about those two things based on experience uh, in your life as the lesson is going on. Getting beyond the caricatures, again, essential <laughs> skills for peacemaking. All right, I'm going to show you a video, and the video is four minutes long. And that's crazy because I'm so careful with time. Four minutes is an eternity on Sunday. And worse, it's a stinking beer commercial. <laughs> four minutes on a beer commercial, what is that about? So, Let's watch this beer commercial, then I'll tell you about the research behind the commercial, and I'll point us towards some of the requisite skills involved in peacemaking. You guys ready up there? Here it comes. Black white is black. 
to be the partner that is Okay, I don't know how many takes it took to uh, get people to actually turn out nicely for the commercial. <laughs> but the framework for that experiment, that commercial, you can read about it in this book. It's called Humankind, uh, what's the subtitle, A Hopeful History. But that commercial was based on a series of experiments that started in the 1950s called the contact hypothesis. And what it began during the research stage as is an American psychologist trying to think through what it might be like, how it would, would even be possible for apartheid in South Africa to come to an end. This guy's name was Gordon Alport. 
That's what the research uh, became known as, the contact hypothesis. And it's a theory that's been tested and tested and tested in the last 70 years, confirmed and reconfirmed, and it says basically this. If you want to be a peacemaker, be around the other. Create the conditions for regular, simple interaction with the other. Occupy the same physical space. Work on common goals for the neighborhood, for the school, for the company. Basically, go to school with the other. Buy your groceries with the other. Be on the PTA with the other. Work in the cubicle next to the other. Have contact with the other. And in addition, no, no addition. That's about it. Just do that. And sure enough, it works. In research after research, experiment after experiment, it reduces intergroup prejudice, it reduces intergroup hostility, and it makes peace. Now, we all know how challenging that would be. If we decided that we were going to participate in things that would create the necessary preconditions for the reduction of all that hostility, it would be challenging for us because we are living in the middle of the great sort. So it's not going to be difficult. I mean, it's not going to be easy because we have all been conditioned to stay away from the other. It's going to be a challenge. So yes, it'll be hard. But the thing is, given what's at stake, it's not that hard. It's not impossible. It's doable. I want to finish today with a personal story. I'm an independent voter. It's that history thing you hear me prattling on about all the time because there is, from a historical perspective, great benefit to a society when we can navigate the give and take between conservative values and progressive values, between conservative fiscal and social policy and progressive uh, fiscal and social policy. A society does well when it sometimes focuses on supporting business or supporting the economy and sometimes focuses on building the social safety net. So there is value to the give and take, there is value to the back and forth, there is value to the creative tension. So, independent voter. But despite my perspective that values both core pos positions of conservatism and progressivism, I have a very strong opinion, primarily rooted in my religion, that white or so-called Christian nationalism makes no positive contribution to our nation. Now, I understand why it exists. I understand the forces that have been driving its reemergence. But again, very strong opinions. Conflating nationalist themes with conservatism has been bad for conservatism, has been bad for the nation. So, hold that in mind as I tell the story. Very strong opinions in my head, a very strong belief that I'm right about this. <laughs> All right. So earlier this month, I went on another long walk from Raleigh to the ocean. It's a 500-mile walk, and I started in June. Last time I started in May, and I thought, ah, it's just a month later. I'll give it a try. It was a very ill-considered decision because it was hot. <laughs> it was hot, hot, hot. 
So my last night before packing it in, I was about 90 miles in, and I was walking through rural North Carolina, and I was pitching my tent at fire stations and churches. Uh, and on that day, I stopped in some unused woodland. It was next to a farmhouse, and that farmhouse was displaying all the symbols of nationalism. And I was tired. I was too tired to keep walking until I could find one of the approved places to stop on the mountain to see trail, so I just stopped. And there, there was this overgrown kind of abandoned road that kind of snaked its way back into the woodland, and the woods were there in front of me, the woods were there behind me, so up I went the abandoned road, I found a private spot, pitched my little tent, blew up my little sleeping mat, and I laid down, <sighs> took some breaths. Now what I had not seen was that the woods that I thought were behind me weren't actually woods. They were actually one of those, uh, there are lots of, out in rural North Carolina, uh, wind guards, just planted trees that are 20 to 30 feet wide. And it was one of those. So, lying in my little tent, I could not see, but I could hear, on the other side of the windbreak, a father teaching his son to throw a curveball. Now, I had not planned to be a lurker. <laughs> I had not planned to be an eavesdropper, but I was too tired to move. <laughs> and maybe it was my history with baseball, or maybe it was my history raising sons, but lying there, I experienced the contact part of the contact hypothesis. Now remember, I could not disagree more vehemently with the principles of white or Christian nationalism. Lying there, unable to not listen in as this dad taught his son to throw a curve before dinner, after a long day of farm work. This is the crazy part. I started to love those people. I started to realize that those nationalist symbols are not big enough to define who they are. Those ideas are in there. Yes, they really are. They had all the right flags to make sure I knew that those ideas were there. But as I listened to this father love his son, it felt like we could be friends. And if we were, it felt like we could talk about stuff. And I could tell him stories, and he could tell me stories. I could actually tell him about people I know people I love deeply who have been so, so hurt by nationalism, by the rhetoric and by the actions that the rhetoric produces. I began to believe that we could have those con important conversations. I began to believe we could actually listen to each other because I had started to love him. The inner shift began to happen with me just lying there lurking and I didn't even know that it was happening. And that shift, that's what Alport was researching. That is the contact hypothesis. We create the necessary preconditions for any kind of long-term solution, any kind of peacemaking, when something changes in our heart about the other. Because until that happens, we can't actually talk to each other. Now, I do not have any special capacity for loving the other. I mean, I've worked at it for a long, long time, but that's just human. It's in every one of us, and it's not easy 
but it's not that hard. It's certainly been suppressed living in the society that we live, but it's true that we have more in common than we have that divides us. It's true that we can build trust with one another. We can develop affection for one another. Now, nobody's doing it, but it's not that hard. It's human. And when it happened for me, I saw that my force-fed caricatures were just not true enough. There certainly is truth in my caricatures, but they're not true enough. The onboard caricatures that I carried about those people, once I saw those flags, were a significant reduction of their humanity. Did not factor in the full picture of who these human beings are. So in my mind, I could never swap stories with a caricature. They're not the kind of people who would listen. They're not the kind of people who would give a damn. I could never tell a story or listen to a story from someone flying those flags until I could imagine being a friend. Until I could see a father loving his son the way that I love my sons. A father working hard and loving his family and wanting the best for them the way that I do. I can imagine that man carrying the same inner light that I do. I can imagine that man being animated by the same inner divine that I am. And that is the contact hypothesis. We see a bigger truth. We see a bigger reality than those kind of people would never listen. Those kind of people could never understand. Not those people. Now, pay attention. This did not happen. I did not change my vehement rejection of nationalism. But what did happen is I realized that I was never going to be able to talk about my disagreement with the people that I actually disagree with. I would never be able to tell or listen to stories until some necessary preconditions were in place. And those preconditions are not getting put in place in our nation today. They're actually preconditions that Jesus taught us. Love for the other. Seeing the humanity in the other. Having just that simple form of contact, just hearing them do their evening before dinner routine, I realized that my vehement disagreement with everything those flags represented falls into a hierarchy of priorities and doesn't make it to the top. Because first, the highest in the hierarchy is creating the environment for uncaricaturing the other. Now, I bet you've got them in your head, too, caricatures about the other. And I bet your caricatures, like mine, tell you you could never tell your stories to. You could never hear the stories of because you know caricatures. But if that doesn't change, maybe we keep getting this for another 50 years. Or maybe 50 years more after that. There's a word for that caricaturing. That word is in the Bible. The word is scorn. Scorn, we'll see next week, is sneaky. I did not think I had unfair reductionist views of the other. 
till I was lying on my back eavesdropping, I didn't realize that scorn had snuck its way into my mind. Scorn is sneaky. The other thing scorn is, it makes us dumber. Scorn makes us unnuanced thinkers. Scorn makes us unlisteners and unlearners. Scorn reduces how much of reality we understand. Scorn reduces how much we can imagine. Scorn makes it virtually impossible to be peacemakers. So in Dwelling Divine, may we be spiritual people. The kind of people who are able to break up the logjam. The kind of people who can be curious, who can be empathetic, who can be understanding. The kind of people who will develop the skills that are necessary for peacemaking, who can break up the logjam. Amen. Well, if you would, please prepare your offerings. We all give online now. The donate button is at the top of the website. You can do it right there on your phone. If you go there, you can uh, find lots of different ways to give. So if you're here in Raleigh or if you are far away, we invite you to take an ownership stake in the community. And remember what I say all the time, there is a good return when we invest in community because we give our love and our energy and our time and our dollars to the community. The community then takes those resources, amplifies them, and gives them back to us in the form of an environment in which we grow, in which we flourish, in which we thrive. Now again, we all give on the website. It's about as easy as can be. Just go there and you'll find out all about that. And in a minute, we're going to dismiss the, uh, you all on the live stream. And here's what we hope you're going to do. We hope you're going to join us on Zoom. Pearlie's hosting today. Uh, by the way, next weekend, 4th of July weekend, no Zoom. What are you thinking? Holidays, vacations, that stuff. But today, it's a great way to connect, a great way to think more deeply about the lesson and about your life and to do it while you're building a network of community. So the Zoom link is on our website. It's under events and news. And if you've stayed tuned this long, we're going to trust you with the password. Here it is. Get ready. It is 1417, the first four numbers of our street address, 1417. Don't be a troll or we will turn you off. Hope you'll join in. All right. Let us dismiss the folks online. If you would, please put your hand on your heart and remember as we go that we are, every one of us, carriers of the indwelling divine. Love is in there, joy and peace and patience, the kindness, all of that stuff is in there because we are made of the breath of the divine. And if you would extend your other hand to our city, let's look for opportunities to share what's in us with the people that we live and work and go to school with, looking for opportunities to repair and heal our worlds. Amen. God bless you all. Uh, we are dismissed. You are dismissed. We're not dismissed. We'd love to connect with you in real life. CommonThreadChurch.org slash newcomer. And if you'd like to take an ownership stake in the well-being of the community, we all contribute online. You'll find a donate button at the top of our website. See you next time. We'd love to connect with you in real life. CommonThreadChurch.org slash newcomer. And if you